and welcome to episode 65 of Random Encounter, the RPG Fan Podcast. I'm your host, Robert Steinman, Pale Robbie on the boards, horribly dejected that I was not able to go to E3, but luckily I've got two gentlemen who were there, they were at the show, they got to see everything, we got lots of opinions, we got lots to talk about. So, the first person I'm going to introduce is, I'm going to introduce Derek first. Yeah, cool. Why you do this? It's because I'm more important than you. That's a good reason. For now. For now. Hi, I'm Derek. Here, I'll be John. Hi, I'm John. I'm John on the boards. But I'm not John, I'm Derek. And I'm not Derek on the boards, I'm Embryon on the boards. Who's that so, other guy? So in other words, you lied completely. Yeah, who's that other guy on my podcast? Who is this? That's me, Stephen Meyering, Taylor's on the boards. I am happy with a pseudonym on the message boards. I'm so angry. I'm like looking at Facebook. I saw you guys having fun. And I'm just sitting at home, just angry. So next year... Doing- Yes, brooding. Stupid. Yes, brooding. Uh, plus one to hatred every second. Um, so yeah, I, I'm hopefully gonna go next year. But we got lots to talk about this year. And I thought, you know what? Let's start the show with some positive stuff. Okay, we ready? Some positive. I'm ready. I'm ready to see well, if you've got it in you. I gotta say that between a couple of things that Square Enix is doing right now. I think they had probably the most exciting E3 I've seen out of them since they first announced that whole Final Fantasy 13 craziness, three games at once. They show Final Fantasy versus 13 becomes Final Fantasy 15, which the first demo that they showed at the Sony conference, I was like, okay, that looks like a lot of fluff. I'm not really sure how much gameplay that is. And then like a day later, they showed this seven minute long video and it's like, no, that's actually how the game looks. And I was like, huh, yeah. Oh, it's like, well, well, <laughs> well, like, then at least the time wasn't wasted. Yep. So uh, way back in the day, we all kind of predicted that that was going to become 15. I started to have my doubts as we got closer to this year's E3. I thought there was enough difference between the Agnes philosophy thing and versus 13. But nope, they decided to pull a 180. They rebranded it. It looks looks mighty good. It's coming out on the PlayStation 4 and the PS1. A lot of people miss that. They're like, yeah, Sony exclusive. Yeah. It's like, no. Yeah, and, and people are like actually upset about it. I, I don't understand why it matters in any way that it's not exclusive to them. Like, right? Like, like who I cares? I argued about that a little bit with uh, like PS3 versus PS4, like two different like two pieces of hardware with different power. But if it's like Xbox One and PS4, it's like who cares? It's yeah. more people are going to get to play both. Like, why does it matter? Yeah, and, we're going to need the money. Oh, yeah, and we're going to see so much more of that this generation. Besides the first-party exclusives and things that Microsoft throws a lot of money at to maintain its exclusive for a year, <coughs> Titanfall. Which, uh, also, that, that went over better than I thought. I made the prediction that nobody was going to be interested in that, and a fair number of people were. I, I, I wasn't that blown away by it, but looked good. Uh, but we're going to see more of this. I mean, this console generation, this new console generation, is going to be all about... There's very little difference between the two consoles, except for some key things we're going to talk about in a minute. So I have no problem uh-huh. with Final Fantasy 15 on PlayStation 4 or PS1. If more people get the opportunity to get it, that's great. It's good business for Square Enix. Can we talk about the much more important title they announced that's multi-platform? All right, all right, all right. So I, I actually think I heard you squeal all the <laughs> way from Los Angeles. Pretty sure everybody did. Yep. Yep, we got uh, I, I didn't like how they, how they announced Kingdom Hearts 3. Uh, do I keep I keep saying PlayStation One? Did I do that over and over again? Oops. Okay, whatever. Uh, Xbox One. Sorry. PlayStation One box. Uh, I it's gonna. I have to do a mental check on that every time. So they announced Kingdom Hearts Three, and I don't think they did it appropriately because there was no even like 
question of what they were announcing as soon as they started to announce it. I kind of would have liked it to be a little bit more ambiguous, but still, we got a Kingdom Hearts. Uh, well, let's be honest. The moment everyone saw Disney, if you're watching the Sony press conference, <laughs> you can hear everyone go. <gasps> uh, so then we see this video, which looked gorgeous. Uh, we had clothes physics on Sora and something that was apparently like the deep down demo that was supposed to make you think it was gameplay when, you know, come on. Well, they said, uh, what did they say exactly? They said it's using the Luminous Engine, but it has its own shader called the Kingdom Shader, which it, it, it's going to work like it did in the, the original, where every world, the animation style is going to change. But the, to my understanding, it's going to be more pronounced now, where everybody will be animated in the style of that. And that sounds really cool, because if you get, like, hypothetically, an Emperor's New Groove world, you'd have those really thick lines and kind of very angular looks on everybody. We but then need that you, world. If anybody is listening right now, we need that world because that is an awesome Disney movie. For the love of God, I would actually <laughs> accept both uh, David Spade and uh, John, John Goodman as the party members because it would be glorious. <laughs> I want I want that, and I want like a Wally world. Yeah, uh, well, not not Walmart, well, but <laughs> actually, oh, I, Wall- thought meant, I thought you meant Wally World from uh, National Lampoon's Vacation. Oh. <laughs> You know what they actually said, too, when they announced it via Facebook and in their press release, they didn't say your favorite Disney worlds. They said, join a mature Sora, yada, 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 as he travels through your favorite Disney properties. Yeah, which means hello, Wolverine and Kingdom Hearts. (laughs) Hello, Wolverine. Hello, Spider-Man. Hello, Lightsaber. Sora is the newest member of the Avengers, and then he will cross Lightsaber and and Keyblade with Darth Vader. Come on, that's perfect. I'm actually okay with that. Um. Now, now, then, uh, I do hate to say it, but for two steps forward from Square Enix, they got to take one step back. And then it was like a day later, one guy's going, yeah, maybe we announced that a little too early. So I think they were just announcing that they had started work on it. <laughs> and it's like, okay, okay, you, I, I can live with that. If we go well, with the schedule that Final Fantasy 13 and Versus 13 followed, that means we'll get uh, we'll get Final Fantasy 15 in about two years, and then uh, Kingdom Hearts 3 on the PlayStation 5. As long as they don't take that long, like I, it probably is a little bit early for them to have announced it. But I think it was, you know, it was it was obviously part of their strategy to like regain people's faith. Yeah. So I think it was important that they did that at the same time. Yeah. I mean, we we all left super enthusiastic. Like that entire night, we're all sitting at dinner, like reading the the live feed, um, and we're all just like, "Holy, what the they what?" So and then throughout the entire show, like we went back to Square Enix's booth several times just because not only did they announce great games, like they had good stuff to play that we yeah, were into. Yeah, like Mike even said, Mike's been to far more E3s than we have, and he said he goes, "This is the most exciting their booth has been in like years." Well, when you guys think about it, I mean, Kingdom Hearts missed an entire console generation. Yeah, yeah, that is nuts. That is absolutely uh, okay. Home console generation, someone's going to throw up the, well, it was on handhelds. We did not get a home console release, and that's nuts when that, you could argue, was a bigger property than Final Fantasy. Like, that needed to happen. So, okay, Square Enix knocks it out with Final Fantasy 15, with Kingdom Hearts 3, and then I just got into the beta for Final Fantasy 14. I know you guys had already been in it, so we're going to talk about that after we have some more time to play it, but... Holy crap, did they dump a ton of money into that game, and it really shows. So these three, like, home runs by Square Enix, 
I don't know who they fired, but they fired the right guy. Because yeah. now it feels like, like stuff's getting done. I, I hate I hate to ever celebrate somebody getting fired. I'm sure there's more to it than that. But they absolutely made all the right moves at E3. Uh, Sony got a lot of credit for, oh, they made all the right moves, yada, yada. Square Enix did what a lot of people wanted. They've got, they announced mobile games. They showed mobile games, which actually didn't look too bad. Like the Deus Ex game was kind of cool, except that it crashed like four times. But <laughs> You know, it's a, it's a it's an early version, but they announced games that people want to play, like role playing games, full blown, not free to play role playing games. Right, and like I'm totally fine with Square Enix wanting to branch out and like make use of IDOS and and use other like Western properties. That's totally cool, but I just feel like in recent years they've almost completely shifted away from their roots. And this year it was awesome because we had stuff like Final Fantasy X, X2 HD, and Lightning Returns, and 15 and Kingdom Hearts alongside titles like deus ex and murdered soul suspect like those are cool and i'm totally fine with those but you know i i want them to embrace both of those because they have a lot of fans that have been around for a long time that want to see role-playing games yeah. and and like soul suspect looks awesome by the way i just want to throw that up there like oh we're we're yeah. gonna get we're gonna get there because that was the game that there, i was really really excited about so compare yes last year was my first e3 and i felt like we were a very niche site last year. Like, oh, yeah, we cover very little that's on the show floor. This year, there was so much stuff to cover. On the third day, I was still like, all right, I have to see this and this and this. Yeah, it feels like the RPG is returning. I mean, we we were talking during the pre-show about how, you know, are we going to cover Destiny? Because that game looks like a huge RPG with lots of Borderland-like mechanics. And well, that's... I- that's, I'm I'm not sure. gonna, it's not an RPG. But no, I mean, but it's got a lot of mechanics underneath the hood. I'm, and it's I'm got sure loot. everyone's going to say, oh, Borderlands isn't an RPG. We shouldn't have covered it. And you know what? It's It definitely is. <laughs> it's it, more RPG than Mass Effect. Sorry. Border, Borderlands <laughs> is World of Warcraft with shooting mechanics instead of click stupid button mechanics. Yeah. And Destiny looks functionally identical, except it looks more shootery. And, but there's still stats. I mean, every character has a level next to their name. There's a full set of equipment. There's skill trees. I mean, it's it's an action RPG. Yeah, just with more more on the action bins. But I guess the point is that last year's E3 was a little bit of a downer if you were into uh, big console RPG releases, and it feels like this year, which is surprising considering it's a new console cycle, we saw a lot of stuff to be really really excited about. And this is the first time I've been excited about Square Enix since they first showed Final Fantasy 13. Uh, they also, today on Kotaku, or yesterday, they announced that uh, one of the guys was saying, well, you know, if the 10 and 10.2 remake does fairly well, you know, there's other stuff we could remake, and of course he threw out Final Fantasy 12. 12! Final Fantasy 12 is perfectly suited to being played on a handheld as long as they make it so you can save everywhere. Yes, uh, and that would be cool. So I, I think Square Enix has got it together a little bit. I think th- I want to see more out of them, and I agree with Derek. Uh, you know, they, they're still focusing on the publishing side, which is cool. I mean, uh, if we want to skip right ahead to talking about cool games right now and kind of lead in from the Square Enix talk, uh, Murdered Soul Suspect. That was a game I was really, really excited about. Steven, I know you went, you got like a half an hour demo with the game. Uh, me, Kyle, and Derek went, yeah. Oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. I didn't mean to leave you out there, Derek. I'm sorry. Hi, let me rephrase that. Kyle, it, Derek, and I went. It was a, it was like a a mini theater that we went into. Like, you lined up, and then you went in the theater, and they walked you. Th- like, we didn't get hands-on. It was okay. like a 30-minute-long presentation where they, like, actively played through the game and explained what was going on. Okay, and is it, uh, it looks like Ghost Trick and, yeah. uh, and a little bit of stealth elements, which looked a 
little rocky, but the investigation stuff looked really good. Well, yeah, I mean, let's let's get the good stuff out of the way first. Yeah. And... It's heavy rain plus ghost trick, but in a less pretentious way. But we're gonna yeah. get we're gonna get to that Beyond Two Souls game in a few minutes, so let's stay on that... Soul Suspect. Beyond stay Two Souls, so, stay, stay on Soul Suspect. It's a game. No, I, I think cool. it, I think it looks. It's got really you know it's got great production values. Um, I like the idea behind it. I I felt like some of the like the investigation part is like the ideas are cool, but some of the actual portions where you piece together the information is a little bit, I don't know, juvenile, elementary, like. Like it says, it hey, says, what are the clues? And then you have to select words from these little bubbles. And it's like, I fell out the window. I got well, hurt and died. <laughs> well, it, it's like I fell out the window when the window is shattered, and you found your body underneath the window. It's like, well, well, what I'm, what I'm, part, really... part of me is thinking that's because it's still teaching you to play. Right. I so, think so too. It, it could also be that, and I could see it getting repetitive. But then again, you know, it's it's very early to say that. I'm really hoping that they take the Silent Hill, uh, the old Silent Hill route, which was you can have a difficulty level on your pu- on the puzzles. And I think they need to do that with this kind of game so that if you really want to have more of a detective story and you really want to be more in-depth, I hope that you can maybe turn the difficulty up on puzzles. If you just want to play the game and get the story, then you turn it down. I think that's something they really need to look at for this game, especially when it comes to replay value. I mean, the, the one director in all the video interviews I watched... He was a little cagey because people were like, well, what happens after you finish this you know, investigation the first time? You're going to remember everything, so what's the replay value here? So that's one of those things that I, I think more games need to have difficulty levels in puzzles because then you can play it on normal. And if you want to play it again, if you love those mechanics enough, play it on hard and switch up the puzzle design a little bit. Try some new things. Yeah, but on the other hand, I think saying what's the replay value is sort of disingenuous because some games... I mean, I never, I rarely ever play anything again except for Last of Us, but we'll get to that. Well, we won't, but. No, we won't. Like, that game, Murder the Soul Suspect, no matter how difficult they make the puzzle, once you know the solution, because it's an investigation, you're trying to answer a question. Once you know the answer to a question, even if you go back in on a harder difficulty, you still know the answer to everything. That's true. That's true. So, uh, then there was the stealth element to the game, which. It, they, they do this cool mechanic where you can actually move through walls, which was kind of neat. It kind of adds like a new level of latitude to the game. But the stealth element, it, it was kind of like, why am I strangling Dementors? Why? It, it, it looked, honestly, it was, it seems like it's going to be almost a minuscule part of the game. At least to me, it was like, yeah, walk through this wall, walk up behind him and he's dead. I'm okay yeah. with that. If, if it's I, w- I wasn't part. seeing that as like a big element either. Okay. Okay, but overall, you guys were like impressed by it. It's kind of one of those. Let's see where it goes. Let's yeah. See. Yeah. Like tentative, tentatively interested. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Cool. 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 Uh, we hinted at it a second ago, so I'm gonna throw it out there. Uh, when the hell did Beyond Two Souls become Metal Gear? I don't, I thought I knew what that game was about, and I watched. <laughs> I played it, and I watched the trailer, and I was like, "Wait, what?" And I think it looks awesome. You're gonna hate it though. It's Heavy Rain. Oh God. Well, no, it's it's not the Heavy Rain mechanics. It's the Heavy Rain story. Oh well, you might like this because I don't know. It seems cool. Like, I like I like the setup for the plot. I like the idea of following Ellen Page through her whole life, which sounds stalkery if you read it out of context. Yeah, it kind of does. But it, I don't know. It seems cool. Like it, it's super duper pretentious in the trailers, but they think they're making a movie. So you know, whatever. Heavy Rain is pretentious, and I like that. So. It's gorgeous. Like it looks, it looks gorgeous. So, at the very least, I think it'll be a pretty solid adventure game. 
I didn't I didn't even get a look at it, unfortunately. I, I don't understand though why Quantic Dream can't get basic movement right. Like why do I have to press R2 to move forward? That makes no sense. So are they action scenes with the heavy rain mechanics? Kinda. Oh, oh no. It, it, it's like oh. Fahrenheit. It's it's Oh no. Well, there's no need to oh no it. You either like it or you don't. I think it's fine because it's just like playing Fahrenheit. It's the game. The entire game is in it. It's a cutscene with QTEs. So if you didn't like the mechanics, it's literally heavy rain. Like, and and Fahrenheit. Like Fahrenheit had more action sequences than heavy rain. So well, I'm gonna I'm gonna kick Quantic Dream right here, and then I'm gonna build him back up. So uh, it, it's it's kind of like that whole sandwich thing when you're in a when you're in business and somebody's giving you an assessment. I. Finally, the conservative sandwich-heavy portfolio pays off for the hungry investor. <laughs> no, I'm so, ruined. So the the Quantic Dream trailer for uh, for Beyond Two Souls, I, I got to say, it still had that air of pretentiousness about it, and I I didn't think it looked that good. Maybe the new console were consoles were really making everything look bad by comparison, but the faces looked beautiful on the characters. Yeah. I mean, that is Willem Dafoe, and uh, that's awesome. But the environments really looked basic, and I, that was one of my complaints about Heavy Rain. I, I don't think the environments looked particularly good. So I, to me, I'm probably not going to like that game. But then the PS4 demo that they did was hilarious, and I loved it, and I want them to make a comedy. I don't want them to be pretentious. Oh, they, are the, way uh, better at, the, they are way better at comedy. The Dark Sorcerer thing or whatever? Yeah, that was awesome! Yeah, yeah. Well, they were like, this is not a game, and I'm like, yeah, until you make it a game, because everybody said it looks cool. I, I just I, there there are times where it's it's kind of like where Bill Murray Bill Murray is really funny and I love him doing comedy but when you see him do a drama you're like holy crap you need to do more drama and uh, so with Heavy Rain they definitely hit some great dramatic cues and I'm like okay you guys did an okay here and there I didn't like your storytelling but there were cool moments but then they knock it out of the park when they're being funny so I'm like okay be funny yeah well you know the thing is I think. Well, no, that's not true. I was going to say I think humor is easier to do than drama, but I oh, no, no. I, I don't agree with that. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I would be happy to see them make the Dark Sorcerer into a PS4 game because, I mean, I like Quantic Dream's games. I've liked all of them. Well, both of them. And I, I like what Beyond Two Souls looks like. Obviously, it's not for everybody, but I really like storytelling in games. And for all their pretension, at the very least, they can tell an engaging story. They... They muck, they muck it up a few times, like the clock shop, but we won't. We, we've yeah, done we, that. Since. We, we won't go into that. Let's be positive. We had a, we had a very positive E3, so let's be positive here. So I brought up. So we did Murdered Soul Suspect, uh, Beyond Two Souls. Derek, throw something awesome at me. Lightning Returns, because I yes. know you want to talk about it, right? That was a joke. That was a joke. That was my intention look, of humor. No, we we all played Lightning Returns, and we were like, wow. I mean. Steven didn't love 13 and 13-2, and Liz, I don't even think, played 13-2. Everybody that got their hands on that game came away impressed. So what even, is... Even Kyle said, Kyle, Kyle, even, I, I told him I would say this, he played it and liked it. Like, he put it on his, when we post our top E3 list, which should be in the next day or two, Kyle put Lightning Returns pretty far up there. Like, it's a... It's got a fun combat system. So what did they change exactly? I didn't see a whole... I, it feels like the game got lost in the shuffle a little bit, which is a shame if you guys are speaking so highly of it. Like, what did they change? Well, basically, first of all, it's nothing like Assassin's Creed, and we joked about that <laughs> on the podcast, so we need to redact that. It is in no way Assassin's Creed, other than that trailer made it look Assassin's Creedy, and that was a trailer. The gameplay is... 
I've been saying this. I don't think everyone agrees with me, but it's pretty much Crisis Core. You go, you run into enemies on the map. It goes to a battle scene. You have direct control over Lightning, and it, it tells you to move her. And in the demo, it seemed pointless to move her because she moves kind of slowly. So it's it's you have basically the best way to describe it is it's a combination of the paradigm system and the job shifting from ten two because you're rapidly switch, switching through jobs because it's like. Oh, this enemy's weak to lightning. I switch over to something with lightning. Ah, lightning. Let me use a different element. This enemy's weak <laughs> to fire. I switch over to an outfit that has fire spells, and I hit them until they break. Like, it's it's sort of like the 13, but it, it feels more exciting because you switch to that, and then you switch to another thing where you have more powerful attacks, and each costume has its own, has its own ATB bar. So, like, you can use up all of your ATB on one costume and switch to another one. And it's and with them saying there's going to be a lot of those, it seems like it's going to ha- have a really diverse system because it works almost like a Shin Megami game with kind of the ten two kind of speed to it. It just yeah, it, it it's fun. Like that's all I can say. It was I everything I had no is, interest in it. It's really really speedy and like because when you hit switch, but when you switch between your it's like schema. When you switch between your schema, it's instant. You tap the button and you're you're in that schema immediately. And when you hit a button, it does that action immediately. It's not like 13-2, you know, 13 and 13-2 where you hit auto battle and then you're waiting for your commands to queue up and execute. Like, if you hit attack, she slashes as soon as you press that button. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, so it feels, it, it's got a completely different feel, even though it's got a similar, like, it's got a meta strategy in, in how you're managing your ability cooldowns in your schema. But yeah, it's like, it's completely action-oriented. Like, you have to block attacks, too. Yeah. Uh, it sounds like the original trailer for Final Fantasy Thirteen, like that I, that actiony, like maybe not that crazy, but it sounds like that's what they were originally going for. Now I'm going to say this, but I'm also going to throw the caveat that I don't think you'll like it. Okay, that's fair because you don't have direct control. You press the button and it happens, but it's not an action game. It's still she's executing an action. So I could see you being like, she was in the middle of an animation and then I got hit. But now, is she the only party member? Yeah, she's yes. the only person you control. Okay. And, and I I feel weird about that, but I think... I, I hate monster parties. Like, I, in yeah. any game other than Pokemon or Shin Megami Tensei, I don't want monsters in my party. Yeah, like, I want not characters. characters. So, you know, I didn't really like that in 13.2. And I, even though you only had to use one, which is okay. But this is... Uh, it's It's kind of weird that you only fight as lightning, but... Really, the different uh, schema that you set take the place of party members. It's like it's as if you had three party members and you were switching between each one rapidly and choosing which command to execute because it happens so fast. So for me, like that's an okay substitute, even though I'd prefer a party system. But I don't know that it could work with how they built this game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like I can't, I can't speak to the plot. It could very well still be silly, but. Yeah, I we have no act- idea. There's no way. To I will actually, I will actually play it now because the music was awesome. It's yeah. gorgeous, and the combat system is fun, and it doesn't have that Final Fantasy X to kind of girl power thing that I didn't really jive with, and it doesn't have the thirteen to two characters I couldn't care less about thing going on, like lightning on her own. I'm like, yeah, all right, I'll go with that. No, was actually really cool, but I digress. Uh, d- did Noel find his nobody? <laughs> I'm sorry. I was just really. I, I was worried about him. I, I, Actually, they, I, I remember we, when you were like, when we were talking about the game, you were like, "Is that the? Is that Sora from Kingdom Hearts? Is that that guy?" Actually, uh, I, 
I'm, we're not going to spoil it, but Derek told me the ending to 13 2, and it is not at all what I expected. Okay. So, already out there. I, I don't know. It's It sounds like the, this could actually be a really good game. Like, I, I'm going to get it because I like the combat system. No, that's great. I, again, Square Enix, I gotta. I, I would shake somebody's hand right now and say, hey, you guys brought it a little bit. Now, don't you ever, ever make another Chrono game again because I, I don't trust you guys. Uh, you're winning me back, but I'm, we're not there yet. But no, that's great. It, it seems like they said, you know what? We kind of screwed up this console generation with the Final Fantasies. Let's try to rebuild a little bit. And that's cool. We can rebuild him. We can yes. make it stronger, and we can dump a lot of money in it, apparently. Uh, kind of a shame to hear about what happened with the I.O. guys, the guys that make uh, uh, Hitman. Oh, yeah. Getting sliced? Well, yeah. also, the other bad news is that uh, Index Corporation is under investigation for fraud. Are they the guys that own they Atlas? They own Atlas. Atlas. Yeah, oh. And they were already in dire financial straits. I oh, God. Uh, and then the dude from uh, the... Idos Montreal team, he was talking about, like, a- after the whole Hitman uh, closing stuff where they slashed half of uh, IO Interactive, he was saying, yeah, uh, with the way these budgets are handled and stuff, we can't screw up this Thief reboot, and I think they're well on their way to screwing up that Thief reboot. I don't know. I don't know, man. I've heard positive things from a lot of other people. It looks like Dishonored. <laughs> it, looks yeah, but- so- it looks so much like Dishonored, it's kind of spooky. Yeah, but people aren't going to care. They're going to like that because people no, like I, Dishonored. I, I'm just very nervous because I, I think the safer decision would have been to go with another Deus Ex. I, I actually applaud them for going the Thief route. I joked before I thought Thief was probably killed in lieu of making a new Deus Ex game because Human Revolution was so well received. They seem to be putting a lot of chips into Thief. I just don't want it to go downhill because then I feel like that could affect whether or not we get another Deus Ex. And they're putting a lot into that uh, Deus Ex remake. I don't know if either of you guys saw it, but that remake has me really excited. They're going back, reanalyzing the boss battles, adding more things to the game. It's including the missing link. Uh, it's not just going to be on Wii U, thank God. They're I especially gonna... like that on the PS3 you can use the Vita as the second screen. That's yeah, cool. They, th- that needs to be done more to make, uh, especially with the PlayStation 4 coming out. That needs to be standard. No, no, you know what they said? They have confirmed that every single PS4 game that doesn't use the camera is playable via remote play on Vita. You can play every single PS4 game on your Vita. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. In other words, when 15 comes out, I'm going to turn on my PS4, sit on my couch, and play it on my Vita. I'm okay with that. Uh, that sounds great. And so the the uh, Human Revolution director's cuts coming out on every console, I think that that's really awesome. I, I was kind of hoping for a new game in that series, but, you know, that's cool. I really wish they would go the CD Projekt Red route and release that director's cut free on PC, but we know that isn't going to happen. Speaking of my boys over at CD Projekt Red, has Kyle come down from his Witcher 3 high yet? It's never going to go down. Wow, that sounds horrible out <laughs> wow, of context. Okay, moving on. Uh, well, see, first of all, CD Projekt Red just opened another studio to make smaller 20-hour games. Uh, so that's awesome. And The Witcher 3, I've only seen, I didn't get to go to the meeting. Kyle did. Uh, but did, he come, did he come back like, no words, should have sent a poet? He used the word poetry like four times in his preview, <laughs> including one of his captions. The game is utterly gorgeous. He explained that the world felt way more alive than, again, I hate to constantly compare to Skyrim, but he said it it felt, it just felt like a really big Witcher. And no more QTEs, hooray Rob. 
Yeah, that tra- that trailer that they showed at the Microsoft mm-hmm. conference was like, oh, oh wow, oh dear. I, uh, I think what I've seen makes me think they're gonna make Bethesda look like chumps in I, the open world area. That's pretty strong. I, I don't want to say that, but you know uh, what though? Kyle talked about a really cool feature where there are like ninety something different monsters that you can track as a Witcher, and every monster has its unique scent, footprint, and habits. So you can actually go out and track monsters, and they are all unique in terms of being tracked and how you hunt them down. Like, literally, you're a Witcher. That This game really looks like, uh, I think Jeff Kanata said it on uh, Weekend Confirmed, he was saying that this is like Red Dead Redemption, except it's the Witcher. And that makes me so happy. Like, just allowing for that freedom in the open world game and allowing you to start a quest and move around, and it, it doesn't have janky combat, hopefully. I'm just, I'm really excited for it. The thing that surprised me more than anything else though was how they show up at the microsoft press conference apparently the xbox one is not being released in poland and 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 so that was like oops number one then oops number two is all this digital rights management stuff flies directly in the face of everything that cd project it stands for no it does and they said they've they've said we're trying to work our way around the systems because we want to deliver our our content to everybody. They said we want to have it on every platform because we want our players to be able to play it on whatever platform they want. I, and I, I can see how that goes with what they're saying. And they said when we release content, we're going to work something out because... I, I'm going to throw a little prediction out there. Uh, unless Microsoft changes their business practices on the Xbox One, which I think we should talk about here in a second, I don't think we're going to see Witcher 3 on Xbox One. I really I don't. I highly doubt they're going to drop it from Xbox One. I I really think they will. Uh, I think CD Projekt will stick by their guns. I you know maybe it's wishful thinking, but you know let's talk a little bit about the Xbox One. So I I thought um, Microsoft had a damn fine conference. They showed some awesome games. Not a whole lot of exclusives. Titanfall. You know people were more interested in it than I thought. They showed a lot of really good stuff, but they continued to screw up the messaging. They continued to screw up the whole, like, are we online? Well, now you need to be online every 24 hours. The digital rights management stuff was out there. Not only Uh, did they screw it up, but then they were belligerent about it. They were like, well, you're stupid if you don't want it. Like, when Don Matrick, when that video came out on game trailers, where he's like, we have a product if you don't have internet. It's called Xbox 360. That might have been the the worst thing I heard of the I'm like, you're telling me your messaging right now is, if you can't get our product, suck it. Deal with it. Like, that's the new deal with it. Yeah, like, th- that was awful. Like, you, you really you really don't want to say something like that. Just saying, oh, yeah, you know, buy a 360. Are you- what, he, what he could have said is, well, really, you know, he said, we have a vision for our product and it necessitates this, which would have been BS, but whatever. And we just, you know, we know we're going to keep supporting 360. So if you have that, you'll be able to keep playing good games. Again, BS, but from a PR standpoint, it would have sounded better than deal with it. Uh, and then he interviewed with uh, Angry Joe or whatever that guy is, and uh, not Don Matrick, but Major Nelson. And some of the things he said, like, Don, uh, Angry Joe goes, well, you know, it would be easy to just, you know, take out this online requirement. Just take it out. He grabs the mic and he says, are you a programmer? Because I don't think you're in a position to say it's easy. What Joe should have said was, really? Because that's what EA said about SimCity, and we hacked the online out of that after about a day. 
I I would agree. And I, you know, the always online mm. thing bugs me. I think that's where the industry is going to go in the next five to 10 years. I think it's a little early to be trying that, but let's be honest, I think we're going to get there. The bigger issue for me with the Xbox One is the digital rights and this whole game that they're playing about, oh, you can put it on like five, uh, your friends, if you, certain friends you're allowed to do this. And Sony just kicked it through the uprights. Sony what, did all of the things that they we said they should do and didn't think they would do. I, I didn't think so. I thought Sony was going to come out and say, yeah, we got a similar thing going on. We're not always online, but we got a similar thing. Instead, Sony comes out. I, I would say the beginning of their press conference was weak, but they kind of had to go over some more stuff. They couldn't. It, they didn't have the awful Microsoft first revealing of the Xbox One. Yeah, so, like they had to say, yeah, we're going to have movies all the, and stuff. All this media stuff because – they do have all those services that Sony owns, and I mean the PS3 is the biggest device people watch Netflix on. So right, you know, I'm, it's not surprising to me that they would say that because it's partially also a meeting for industry people. So they got to come out and say, yeah, don't worry, companies that throw money at us for these reasons. So then they come out and they kick it through the uprights with the you know, hey, we're not always online. You can share, you you ha- can sell used games. Although they did say that's up to the to the publishers, and that puts the ball in EA and Activision's court, and that was but, the right thing to do. Yeah, because now if they do that, it's going to be like, well, we got rid of online passes, but we changed our mind again. Right, and you and, uh, take Sony out of the equation, and Sony and Sony can't mandate that they don't do that. I mean, that's up to the publishers; they're free to do that. I don't think they will. I, I don't think they will now. Uh, <laughs> no, not now. Like they may have, they may have been like, well. But Ubisoft came out and said we're not we, we, we don't support this. So right. they're they not going to do it because they're already PR managing on it. They lost a couple points with me by requiring PlayStation Plus to play multiplayer games on the PS4. But at the same time, that service is freaking awesome and you get lots of free games. And I, I think I can live with that. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know what? Right. All things considered, you already pay for Xbox online and I already pay for PS Plus. It's a bummer for people that don't do that. But if the extra money helps them fix, like, get the infrastructure in a better place, I'm fine with that because I'm going to have it anyway because I want the free games. Yeah, yeah. And then they just dropped the hammer with that price. That was just like, oh, my They were like, God. oh, and BT- you know what? I, I, I think more than the always online, more than the restri- the potential restrictions on used gaming, uh, first of all, the Xbox One, the 10-person in your family thing is an awesome idea. And if they weren't screwing you everywhere else, I think that would be a great thing. But Sony was like, yeah, so, you know, Xbox is like, well, well, we don't think people are going to care about the online stuff. And they're right. A lot of people won't. Some people are not going to be informed. Some people just flat out aren't going to care. What they're going to care about, what average Joe dude who wants to play Call of Duty is going to care about is that he can get a PS4 with Call of Duty. He'll eventually get the DLC and it'll be 100 bucks cheaper. The one thing that 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 is uh, true and John Davison said it uh, the other day is that if they don't include a free year of PlayStation Plus, then you are still getting a good deal with the Xbox One because you get a year of Xbox Live Gold membership for free. So that does make up a little bit of the price difference between the two, and I think Sony would be very wise to include a year of PlayStation Plus. Well, what you also... In order to keep that, that price difference between the two so drastic. Well, you also have to keep in mind, Sony, the thing doesn't come with the camera. So right. if you buy if you buy the camera that's fifty bucks. If you buy a year of, of PS Plus, that's it's another 60. fifty bucks. It's sixty. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you're getting you're you're getting up to the same point. However, with the PlayStation, P- 
people don't people don't I don't think any quote unquote hardcore player wants a camera. And having the option is fine. And I think considering you get the free games from PS Plus, Xbox I think is just now on gold starting to give you free games, but the free games they gave you first, I think were from like four years yeah, ago. Assassin's Creed two and Halo three. Yeah, and I'm like, all right, guys, we got to try a little harder than that. And I don't think they're going to. I think they will. But uh, anywho, so let's let's move away from Sony and Microsoft to Nintendo, which I, I got I got to say I didn't really like their Nintendo Direct except for the Mega Man reveal, which had me squealing like a little girl in Smash Brothers. That was. Oh my God! They got his animations perfect between like when he gets hit and he when he blinks. gets hit, and he kind of goes like Arr. he kind of blinks and he like goes backwards a little bit with his mouth open. That was just oh my God! I I, I turned into a fanboy. I gotta say, I was like, this is one reason to love Nintendo. But I, I gotta say, otherwise, I was a little disappointed. Um, well, they said they go, don't expect us to be bringing it to E3 like everyone else's, and. They said that, and it was still... Like, I play games at Nintendo's booth, and I like them. Like, we'll get to Mario, Luigi, and Zelda, because both of those knocked my socks off. But, you know, I played Mario Kart, and I was like, all right, it's Mario Kart, it's very pretty, but Sonic Kart's still better, because it has better physics. You know, I played... Uh, I, I think, Derek, you guys played Bayonetta, and you guys like that. It's more Bayonetta. Um, but I didn't see anything on Wii U that I was like... All right, I take that back. There were two things on Wii U. Oh, yeah. We, we cover one of them, I'm pretty sure. First of all, Sonic Lost World is the Sonic game. I played that, and it's awesome. It's not like, oh, this is good compared to the last few Sonic games, or it's not like Sonic Generations where, yeah, this is good, but, you know, it's it's a one-off. Sonic Lost World, by giving you control over your speed, they have brought back what they forgot about in the old Sonic games. It's a little bit slower, yes, than the other, like, big-budget Sonic games, or the other, quote-unquote, big-budget Sonic games that we've had, but... I've been playing Sonic 1 again and Sonic 3, and those games aren't as fast, but there's more exploration, and now that you can, can control you your speed... Steven, can you ta- stop talking about Sonic and talk about X, for God's sake? All right, fine. Sonic Lost World is awesome. I'm going to buy a Wii U for it. <laughs> and also, for Project X, which, as long as it's not Monster Hunter, which I'm so hoping it isn't. I think it uh, is, though. That's the only thing I'm worried about. I think it really is, but it looks so good, uh-huh. I might not care. <laughs> I mean, what makes you think it's Monster Hunter, though? Have, have you seen anything that's indicated that other than, like, the camera where it's well, they positioned? Have, they haven't shown any actual characters, and all the people they've shown look very generated. Like, you generated your custom character, and now you're going to go and battle monsters. But, but more than that, they also had in that first reveal trailer for X, they had uh, the little sidebar on the right that somebody went in and translated, and it was kind of like player one hits for yeah. 250 players. Now, now, don't get me wrong. I... If it's if it's more of an RPG, like we were talking the other day about Xenoblade and about how much fun it was to control each character, if it is like kind of MMO style combat, I'm okay with that. I guess I'm just hoping for a single player component. But if it is like, hey, Derek can come and join up in my single player game and help me out for a little bit, very Dark Souls esque, I'm fine with that. So I'm not like, I, I guess like, what I'm just hoping for is that it still feels like a single player game and it's not just pure multiplayer. Yeah, like, I wouldn't mind if they made it so you have co-op, like, small-scale, four- or five-player co-op. That'd be a lot of fun. But I don't want it to get so far away from what's great about Xenoblade, because one of the things I think is great about Xenoblade is it's the characters and the heart-to-heart stuff, because that ties into the gameplay. And if you take out—I I just I universally dislike it when you take out personality full—that's not a word— 
characters with personality and party members for here's a bunch of randomly generated people. Now you have Dragon's Dogma. You have, you know, your Dark Souls character has no personality except for what he does at the end. You know, it's less compelling narratively. Yeah, but, uh, but overall, it's that, too soon. To, it's too soon yeah. to say. Yeah, and th- what they showed was like, ha, oh, oh. Yeah, if it's Xenoblade but with gear combat, yes. Yeah. yeah. So I'm still very hyped on it. Uh, Derek, you were saying you wanted to talk about some Mario and Luigi. Yeah, that was another game that uh, we played, and we're like, "What? This is good." Yeah, I, I guess we- it's not like we didn't expect it to be good, but after Sticker Star, I think we're, we were all like so jaded that. We just, I, at least I was, I, I expected it to be fun, but I was like, okay, I played Sticker Star and I didn't like it. And Mario and Luigi 3 was all right, but not mind blowing. And then I played this and I was like, crap, it's, first of all, it has the best use of 3D I've ever seen on the console. Yeah, like I like, turned it, I actually wanted the 3D on because like, like the way they're like, like when you do a special attack, they kind of run down. So you have like a, a field so they can execute whatever madness they're going to do. And the 3D actually makes the background stretch out into the distance. It's, it's just, I'm not, I, I don't support 3D ever, but I will play this game with a 3D on. Yeah, it's super cool. So it's got, uh, we saw right before E3, Nintendo did like a big uh, asset dump when they showed off a whole bunch of art for it. And, asset dump. And <laughs> <laughs> dump. But that was the first time that I'd really looked at any of the art for the game. I think just, I don't know if they had really released much up to that point. But I was really taken by the the color palette. Like, it's uh, kind of an iridescent pastel. And everything is appropriately dreamy since it takes place. A lot of the game takes place in Luigi's dreams. So I loved the art style. And the sprite work was super, it was like ace. It was on it. It felt like a very, very, like a really, really high quality Super Nintendo or PS1 game. Like a 2D game. Yeah, it's, um, you know, it felt really high budget, like, because they, they switched it to 3D, but it still has all of the personality that the other ones did, like, the 3D makes it just feel like, like you're jumping from, like, a 2D Zelda to, like, not to an Ocarina of Time, because the, the perspective is different, because it still plays similarly, but it just, it looks, it Sticker, looks Star, Sticker Star felt like they were like, well, we gotta kind of half-ass this one because it's a handheld, so we'll just add levels and take out every RPG thing. This time they were right. like, hey, we got 3D, let's do it. Right, it's it's a fully featured game. It hasn't lost anything because it's on a handheld like like I think Sticker Star did. Even I know Tooker liked it. Love you, Tooker. But the it's just it seems like it's gonna be a really robust, polished, high-budget game, and the combat is so fun. It's really interactive which I love. It, it's not... Because Sticker Star had, like, the timing-based attacks where you jumped in if you pressed A right before you landed on the enemy, you do more. But first of all, battles in that game were largely irrelevant. And second of all, in this, it's like... there You get, like, whole mini-games every time you execute an attack. And that's not new to the series, but they're so fun and fully featured that it was just a blast. Like, and, we already talked and, about the Luigi Katamari, and, like, it's ridiculous. Yeah, and what's cool is when you're inside Luigi's Dreams, now you can actually move Mario around when you're getting attacked, so it feels really... It's like an evolution of the the kind of action-y or timing-based gameplay you had in earlier Mario and Luigi's. Because I have not played a Mario RPG since Paper Mario 2 and the original Mario and Luigi that I thought was really... like That I was like, oh my god, this is so good. Like, I, I, I hated Partners in Time, and I thought Bowser's Inside Story was pretty fun. So I was expecting this to be like, yeah, all right, it's pretty good, but, you know, it's another Mario RPG. And then I was playing it like, wow, this one's more creative and, oh, man, going to be awesome. Yeah. 
So I think got, it definitely ups the ante for the series. So we got that, and then we got another East game. East. Which was yes. also rad. It was also rad. That was yet another game. Well, this and the next game we're about to talk about, everybody that played it was like, oh, I really liked it. Because I'm the only person, at least, that went to this E3 on our staff that's into East. Uh, you know, Steven's played East Origin, and everybody else has, like, here and there seen a couple, but I'm the only one that's, like, super diehard into East, so I, you know, I wanted to play it immediately, and not let down. It's so awesome. Super, super lightning fast combat. I didn't really get to hear a lot of the music, um, but but I've I've heard the whole soundtrack and reviewed it. So, uh, yeah, it's it's more East. It's a better version of East East uh, Seven. It's got the party system and it's completely skill based. Like, I mean, yeah, there's there's equipment and stuff and levels, but if you suck, then you won't win, and if you're good, then you could theoretically win as like you know naked if- level one. If you like action RPGs and you have a Vita, just you probably want to get it. Cause you like it, yeah. It's yeah. At the I very least, this. it's going to be a solid eight, if not better. It won't yeah, be worse. I think so too. And the the animations are definitely kicked up a notch. They don't feel they they feel like it feels like they've completely gone. They've gone back in and like really reworked a lot of it. Um, the super moves are really cool and flashy and. Uh, the special attacks are are really fun to execute. It's highly customizable ridiculous amount to explore if you're a completionist um tom from exceed uh who's an awesome cool guy i finally got to meet him in person he was walking me through and showing me how how incredibly robust the mapping system is in that game like it doesn't just have a map that shows you the area like it shows where you've been in addition to like icons for anywhere you can find crafting materials uh treasure chests all that stuff you can like use your finger to scroll the topography and see like higher or lower elevations and it has that a percent really cool. Yeah, you can see a percentage of how much you've explored. Like, you know, uh, I've explored 72% of this area, so obviously I've missed a couple things. So East games tend to be like really deliberately put together in terms of where you find all of your items and stuff. So I always like to 100% explore them. Usually because they're it's it's doable, like it's not a ridiculous insurmountable task to to 100% any East game. So I'm really looking forward to that because there's more to it than ever before. I think they said that the world for Salceda is like at least three times bigger than E7, which already had a really big world uh, to the point where I thought it was like too big. But if they can put it together and make it make the at least the narrative a little bit more focused and like the the area is more fun to explore. I'm totally down for this. Like this is going to be the best the best East game. Cool. Cool. Uh, moving on from East, we have Transistor, which got kind of a cool little shout-out at the Sony press conference, which I thought was great. Never mind just Transistor. They did a great job. They had that whole sequence where they're like, check out all these indie developers that we brought on stage and have dude, games that look neat. Dude, Lauren Lanning is alive. <laughs> and, he's making, and he's remaking the first Oddworld. That's awesome. I was like, dude, you're alive. Sweet. He's remaking the first Oddworld on everything except xbox one because indie still need a publisher oh god so uh transistor what what's up with this game is this it, it kind of looks like a isometric kind of action adventure game but i heard that there is kind of like a stop element to the game like trying to it's, yeah yeah first of all it's gorgeous it's super consistent the music is cool logan cunningham is the narrator again which i like but i i don't want them to keep doing that because i don't want that to be like yeah they're the guys who have the narrator but it it, it works well because he's the voice of the sword. There's this really cool mechanic where uh, you have four abilities set to the face buttons, and throughout the game you're going to get more than you can kind of customize. 
But when you press R2, it starts up, you have an, basically it's an action gauge at the top. You can move around and it uses some of the gauge, position yourself and activate attacks and target them. And then when you press R2 again, she executes them super fast. Hmm. And it's really cool because it's like you have, it's, it works almost like VATS in Fallout. Um, but with, without the stop time aspect of it, but you still have that bar and the bar slowly recharges after you use it. And it's also used in puzzles. Like the, in the demo, there was just an easy one where there are these two glyphs on the ground that you have to stab. And then there's a door that opens, but it only stays open for like a half a second. So you, you go into the, in the time mode, you, ha- you move her to hit both glyphs and then move her in front of the door. And she executes it super fast. Then you can walk through the door before it closes. And that makes me think they're going to use it for puzzles more, which makes it, it it's going to have a really cool kind of like the combat dynamic. But then you're going to be solving puzzles with it, too. It's just it's the whole game is super consistent. It, it's something I am absolutely going to play. Yeah, me too. And I actually wasn't a huge, huge fan of Bastion. I do like Bastion. Um, I just thought that it got kind of repetitive as you went along. Like, I started to get tired of, like, oh, it's a gravelly voice narrator telling me to do things, and I'm going through areas that look really similar. And I know that's, like, it's an unpopular opinion, so I'm not going to bash it because I think it's a great game. It just wasn't everything that I wanted it to be. Transistor is definitely more my style, and I think I, I love... I'm I'm like blown away by the art design. I know I keep talking about that, but that's you know art and music are really important to me. So, and it's not graphical fidelity. It's like it's it's design, mm-hmm. and Transistor has incredibly good design. Like the heroine is awesome looking, and I love the sword and all the colors. And um, one thing that I thought was a little odd when I played the game was just that like she has a big sword. She doesn't swing it. Like all of her attacks in the demo, at least, were like you stab into the ground and then it throws shockwaves out. Mm-hmm. So that played differently than I expected it to. Cool. But I mean, that's not like a problem. It's just that I think they it's cool that they subverted that. Like you see a person with a sword, you're like, OK, they're going to slash. But she doesn't. It looks really striking that that art style looks crazy. You know, I, I I'm kind of with you, Derek. I, I liked Bastion, but I didn't love it. And yeah, I, no, I agree with you guys. I thought it was. Like presentation wise, everything about it was awesome. But as a game, I was like, eh. Yeah. So yeah. I'm, so the addition, I think, of the uh, of like the turn the pseudo turn based elements and the puzzle solving, I think, will push it up above Bastion. Sorry, what were you gonna say? Yeah, no, I was gonna say the same thing. So I'm I'm totally down with that. Uh, I th- I feel like we're coming into the home stretch here. So let let's hit some of the big heavy hitters and let's start out with a sequel to A Link to the Past, which was awesome. It's super fast, super fluid, awesomely animated. The puzzles were cool. The music is rad. If you like Link to the Past, you will probably like this, but I'm sure everybody will find some way to say it's not as good. Yeah, and yeah. you were telling me, uh, we were talking the other night, and Steven's like, Rob, I think they made a Zelda game for you. And I was like, how so? He says, well, they don't give you a million tutorials at the start of the game. They say go out and have an adventure. Yeah, right. And hearing That's how the, it seems, at least. Yeah. Hearing, hearing the overworld theme done in like a newer style, it's Link to the Past one, but just newer, and it sounds cool. Uh the item usage is cool. You can have two button, two maps. The only thing that's weird is that everything is tied to your magic meter now. Like, your bombs use the magic meter. Your hammer uses the magic meter. Why? I don't know. Oh, it's a magic hammer. Your arrows use the magic meter. So it's like, why does everything use the magic meter other than, well, because now you don't have to go out and find bomb bag upgrades. So that makes me wary about secrets. But on yeah, the other hand... I didn't, exactly. I thought exactly the same thing. Like, the only reason why that would wor- that why that worries me is that it's like, okay, well, does that mean they're just going to get lazy and not put in as many things to find? 
Oh, I, I, I wouldn't take it that way. I would take it that there's going to be plenty to find. I think what they're trying to do is, you know, let's let's be honest here. Going to shops in Zelda sucks. I, I've never had a good shopping experience in a Zelda game, as weird as that may sound. I always go to a shop and I'm annoyed because oh, I ran out of bombs. Well, you uh, haven't, you have, then you haven't played the Oracle games enough. Is it worse or is it better? It's better because you can buy cool stuff like rings with special effects. Okay, see, that's what they need more of. So to me, this sounds like they're getting rid of you having to go to a shop. Like that drove me nuts in Skyward oh, yeah. when I broke a shield. I was like, no, I don't want to go back to a shop. It'll absolutely that's a good help point. the pace too because the bar recharges on its own. So I think that is going to cut out some of the, oh, I can't beat this boss because I ran out of bombs. Yeah, that, that's and, a good point, Robin. I hadn't considered that actually. Yeah, I, I hadn't either. Actually, that's a good point. Yeah, and so so that's what how I view that. But I get what you guys are worried about. I guess I'm just I'm just hoping for a Zelda game that lets me play. Yeah, it is. Trust it does enough. seem very very like it seems very focused, like very gamey. If that makes sense, it doesn't seem like it's going to be a really elaborately set up story with some gameplay in between. Yeah. Not that. You know, Zelda games are typically like that, but they definitely seem like they just sort of let you go. And I was I was surprised at how fast it was, because based on the I guess just based on the graphical style, like I expected it to play a little bit slower, but it's it's very fast. Cool. It feels really comfortable. Yeah. When is that due out? Is that November? I want November. To really soon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, and is then, that actually I just threw that date out there. Is that, is it, that it's, what... it's this year. Oh, wow. Oh, I might need a 3DS because that makes me so happy. And uh, Sh- they got I'm, Shin I'm Megami, Mario and Luigi, Link to the Past, or Link Between Worlds, which I love that they went with a similar name, but they didn't just call it Link to the Past too. Yeah, I agree. I, I like the title. I, I do I too. Really, it's and cool. I, and it feels you know, a Link to the Past holds such a special place in my heart that I'm excited to play another one. And you know, I I think Steven's right. I think we're gonna get the well, you know, it's not as good as a Link to the Past, but you know what? The puzzle design is seminal in Link to the Past. It will never be touched. But I think that's just people being nostalgic. Yeah, I mean, I I think with Zelda, a lot of it is which one did you come in on? Like the the first 3D Zelda that I played extensively was Wind Waker. But I got really tired of the sailing, and then I had pl- plenty of time to play Twilight Princess, and I think that's why that game is so high on my list, is because I had, like, I had just started winter break in college when Twilight Princess came out. It came out for GameCube on my birthday. So I just sat down, and I played the crap out of that game, and I just loved it. And at that point, the 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 3D Zelda thing hadn't gotten tired yet. I hadn't done Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask, so I I really had a great experience with it. And I think Zelda, that timeless quality to it is why usually the first Zelda game you play or the first one in that style, that's what stands out for you. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, my first was my first real Zelda that I played and beat were the Oracle games, and they're my favorites, along with Link to the Past and Minish Cap. So. And I don't like any of the 3D Zeldas, so except for Wind, <laughs> except for Wind Waker, and oh, in Wind Waker HD, they're speeding up sailing, and they're making it so they're doing something to the stupid Triforce hunt at the end. Cool. Uh, are they? Did they say anything about the new dungeon? Uh, about they, the old dungeons that they cut? They said they can't add them in because those dungeons got added to later Zelda games. Oh, okay. Ah. Cool. Ah, Which, I can live with that. Yeah, I mean that makes sense. Plus, I mean. I guess they would have to be like, well, now we have to totally explain why you're going to two more dungeons. Eh, they could do it. Anywho, uh, so now uh, we hit a high with Zelda. Everybody was high on that. A game I want to talk about now, I was surprised with when we were talking last night, 
and you guys were totally down on this game, and everybody else seems to be up on it. Elder Scrolls Online, what is going on with this thing? It's super generic MMO, and I have no idea what people are up on it. People were really hyping it up. They're like, oh, it's it's now like an Elder Scrolls MMO. You can go up and get the cheese wheel and interact with things, and it's first person now. And I'm like... Yeah, but it's still just MMO combat. It's not so Elder Scrolls. Derivative and, like, uninspired to the max. I have no idea why Game Informer picked that as best MMO show. Yeah, it... Final Fantasy XIV has more personality in every way, because they're both MMOs. It's just... I, I don't know. It's... Rob, you're not you're not going to like it. Every single person on our site that saw it was like, this is incredibly generic. Like, Elder Scrolls is already generic fantasy, and people may disagree with me, but again, they're just... They're wrong, so... Whatever. You know, just because you have lots of lore books with your very generic lore doesn't mean that you have a well-put-together world. It means you have a big world. And that's, I don't know. It's it's an MMO, and it doesn't distinguish itself in any way because the combat is just going to be Terra well, they, and Guild Wars. Well, they said no cooldowns. I mean, yeah, that, that's something, right? Yeah, but no cooldowns, that still just means you're going to be whacking buttons. Like, it just means that the pace at which you whack them will be faster. One, 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 two, one, 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 two, one, 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 two, one, 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 three, one, 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 two, one, one, one. Yeah, I don't... John saw... John has played a lot of MMOs, and John was like, it's... It's super generic, so... At least John was happy with The Last of Us, which I know is not a game that we cover, but some people were coming out of E3 a little down on that game, and John was like, you'll love it, Rob. I was like, okay. John actually knows what games I like. He he. When he was playing Dishonored early, he texted me. He was like, "You're gonna love it." I don't love it, but Rob, you're gonna love it. <laughs> so he he, yeah. did he really said that to you about Elder Scrolls. He said you'll like it. No, no, no. He said I would like the Evil Within. Oh, he, uh, okay. He, he said I would like the oh, Evil Within. See, you said The Last of Us, so I thought you were talking about The Last. Oh, did of I say us. The Last of Us? I ah, uh, uh, God, know, I don't know what you said. Uh, Derek, Derek thought you were talking about Tiso. I thought you were talking about The Last of Us. <laughs> okay, I got I got wrapped up there. Let me start again. At no John, point was anyone talking about the same thing. Okay, uh, I, I think I did say the wrong thing, so I'm an idiot. Uh, John had seen The Evil Within, and John said, I would love The Evil Within. And he usually knows what I like. Okay. So, and Probably the reason, accurate. The only reason I bring that up is because they were showing all of that in the Bethesda, uh, like, theater room they were showing elder scrolls online uh the evil within no fallout 4 which really bummed me out but i i think next year well I, you know what i'm saying this i think we're gonna see fallout 4 at this year's spike vgas i think that's what's gonna happen could be i'm throwing the I bomb would, out i would have to actually watch the spike vgas to find out you know what? They showed Dark Souls 2 last year, so they got me. So speaking of which, uh, Steven, I just want to – I'm going to ask you one question, okay? Because I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about it. Am I going to be happy? Yep, you're going to be happy. I'm happy. Okay, cool. And, I, and you know what? I didn't include it on my best V3 list, and I did that for a reason because I always expected it to be good. I went, I even wrote that in my pre-E3 thing. I said I've seen nothing to say. It's not going to be good. It's Dark Souls. It's tightened up. People are going to complain, I guarantee it, and go, it's just more Dark Souls, which is the exact same thing they said about Borderlands 2. They're like, well, it's Borderlands. They fixed some stuff, but it's just more Borderlands, uh, which, shut up. <laughs> it's going to get, it's going to get, I, I, I can't say how it'll be reviewed, because I think the game makes itself more understandable, 
but it plays great. It feels great. So at the very least, it's going to be a fun sequel. I can't say if, how it's going to compare to the first, but if you like Dark Souls, I can't imagine you playing this and being like, this is an abomination. It looked faster. I was really it's, struck it's, by how fast the characters moved, which I think is a good thing because they you know, take away a little bit of that clunkiness that was a little forced. It's faster and it's tougher. Like Because the enemies are so aggressive now, like they really will all attack you at once. Like before it was like every enemy would kind of like they'd line up on you and then they'd all kind of attack, but not super simultaneously. Like they'd chop at you, but they'd sort of take turns. Now you'll fight one enemy and the other guy will circle around behind you. Let's keep hitting you. So you're like, uh, what do I do? Okay. So it really forces you to adjust your tactics when you're fighting multiple enemies. And I think that's very true to the essence of the combat in dark souls. I, I also love how this year we got the exact same thing when they showed dark souls back at that E3 where there was a lot of conflicting reports. You read one thing online and they're like, Oh yeah, we're going to have a class system in this game. You read another thing from another website online. They're like, no, no, no. You still have the exact same thing before as you pick uh, your starting class and then you upgrade your characteristics. You don't anymore in dark souls Two. Uh, in the demo, you were able to pick a class and that's basically just pre-built thing in the beginning of dark souls Two. It's going to ask, you a series of questions and then set you up with a with a type of with a, a character but you're not and locked then from in. there you can upgrade it yeah, yeah from there it works exactly like dark souls it's just now they're not going to force you to start as you know i'm going to be a wanderer or i'm going to be this you're just going to start with your stats set up a certain way Okay, cool. So, yep, uh, that's uh, March 2014, so we got plenty of time. Uh which which uh which rig should I pick it up for? PlayStation 3, Xbox 360 or PC? PC. Is it running at 60? It was run Well, they said the the dude oh, told me he goes, "I can't confirm if it's going to run at 60 or the specs." But the demo they were showing was run at si- running at 60, so I'm getting it on PC. Okay. Okay. So the P- and the the PS4 the PS3 version I played had some slowdown, and I can't tell if it's just because it's early, because clearly they have a bigger budget this time. I can't tell if it's because it's early and they're going to polish it up later, which is totally possible, or if it's just, it's going to be like Dark Souls where there's just slowdown in parts. But I, I will be getting it on PC and playing it with a controller. Sounds good. Sounds good. I am excited. So oh, also it doesn't use games for Windows Live. Oh, I love you guys. Me too. Okay, so uh, those are all the games off the top of my head that I was thinking about. Anybody else got things that they want to mention? Now's the time uh, to start speaking. Well, this year proved that the point-and-click adventure genre is back and better than ever. Jane Jensen, the creator of King's Quest VI and Gabriel Knight, was there with her new game Mobius, uh, which looks super cool. Um, Daedalic has a bunch of games coming out. They have the new Deponia, which was cool. They have the sequel to Chains of Satinov, which is one of my top games last year. An incredibly gorgeous-looking point-and-click adventure game. There was The Raven, which is like a cool, like, Agatha Christie-style, like, murder mystery. There was uh, Jack Keen 2, which is like kind of a more action-oriented point-and-click uh, in the style of Indiana Jones. Those were all cool-looking. Blackguards looks awesome. Uh, that's the Daedalic uh, turn-based RPG they're releasing that literally feels like Fallout and Baldur's Gate combined using the Dark Eye tabletop rules. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kyle posted a preview of that, and it's both of us thought it was one of the best things we saw at the show. Um, I think you'll probably dig it too, Rob. It's very cool looking. Um, wow, we saw a lot of stuff. You really even, did, yeah. I, I literally, there's so much stuff, I can't remember half of it because I'm like, oh, gosh, we saw. Tales of Excelia is Tales with a really cool progression system. So if you like Tales, you will enjoy it. It's pretty. Yeah. 
I'm sure I'll enjoy Tales of Zillia. But not Tales of Exilia. Dragon's Crown. I don't know know what that is. Dragon's Crown was a lot of fun. Derek and Kyle and I played that together. Oh, yeah. I forgot. We we totally kicked the demo's ass, too. Like, we beat the demo, and he's like, nobody's done it that fast. We were like, because we got A's. We got A ranks at everything. We were like, yeah. Am I going to like that game? Because there was one weird thing I saw. uh, I think it was on game trailers where, like, you have to move a cursor on the screen with the right analog stick or something like that oh, if you're playing oh, oh, the PS3 version. Only to open boxes and stuff. Like, it, does, it doesn't function in combat. It's just like, hey, there's a box, and you can use it to interact with, like, doors and stuff in the environment. Why? But it's not like, I don't know. It's just weird it, to me. It, doesn't, it really doesn't affect I think, it would, be, I think it would be more annoying to, like, try and line up your character with the chest with the way that the game is laid out. Yeah, maybe. Like, maybe. Yeah, like, that's... We only had to do that, like, once or twice. It, could, it seems like you don't have to do it often. Could you guys tell what was going on? Because that thing just looks like a cluster you-know-what of just cacophony and, like... It looks like what happens when, like, eight boxes land in Smash Brothers, and it's like, well, <laughs> it just happened. It's it's hectic, but I, I didn't have a problem keeping track of it. Yeah, I think like, as long it's... as you're focused on your character, it's not a problem. Okay. Yeah, if, if you've played a beat-em-up, I mean, it's, you know, Streets of Rage, Guardian Heroes. But with you know, depth, it's, right? Like, yeah, well, that's what's cool is that there's a lot of RPG elements to it because you get skills. You get It's got a full Diablo-style loot system where, like, you'll get, like, a sword that's better against certain kinds of enemies or uh, an armor that defends against fire more. So there's more RPG to it. It's So if you liked Odin Sphere and those other games, this feels like a more rpg version of those. With cool. The multiplayer is going to be a lot of fun. Cool. I definitely want to play it. Uh, it, you know, there was all that controversy over the art style, which I, you know, I, I think the art style is a little gross in some areas, but I, I get what they're going for that high fantasy, so I can't judge too much. And, but... and you know what? The the women have ridiculous proportions, but so do the dudes. Like yeah, but the dudes ex- have yeah. Except have... except for the dude, like the the the, the Magus type guy who I played as looks like Sephiroth with a cloak. The, <laughs> the, the the like the dwarf guy is freaking massive like he looks like a gears of war guy with the armor on only it's his body so i mean everybody is hyper hyper defined so on the one hand when everyone's like oh it's tropes against women and destroying the universe i'm like yeah it looks stupid but so do the male characters i think there's a cool discussion to be had though because jim sterling brought up the fact that like the women you could make the argument that since the women are being uh, obviously with the large breasts and the tiny waist although the the archer character i think is a very beautiful character model like i thought she looks awesome like, I, I don't understand how the other two look the way they do when she looks great. But anywho, but Jim Sterling brought up that there there is a discussion to be had, though, because the, the female characters, you could make the argument they're being objectified because they're obviously giving off the image that young adolescent boys want, while the male characters, it's an empowerment fantasy. They're big, they're bulky, they're, they're what every guy wants to be, or theoretically. Right. Well, so there's uh, a difference going on there. I think it's a cool yeah. conversation. You know well, what? Penny Arcade did the best comic about this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know what you're talking about. But Derek, get in there. Get in there. Well, I don't, I don't want, you know, it's it's a really sensitive topic, and it's yeah. hard to, to share your opinion on it without it being kind of inflammatory. But, like, I, I would argue that, the, I mean, even though the men are also really, like, ridiculously proportioned, they're not sexualized. They're just ridiculously right. proportioned. Like, I don't look at any of the guys and want to bang them. Whereas, well, I, I think... I think that a lot of people are looking at the the women and they're like, oh my god, the sorceress is so sexy. I, I don't well, think I, people are looking at the Amazon unless they have you know really yeah. really big uh, appreciation for muscular women, which is fine. But I think I think part of the issue too is that what people sexualize in a body is different based on gender. So you know, 
how do I say this? It, it is a, a tough rating. conversation to have. Well, well really like, is. for example, you can't make a part of a dude's... All right, I'm, I'm stepping into murky territory. You can't make a part of a male character's body so large that it looks ridiculous without it being... Yeah. W- without someone saying, this can't be in a game. So instead, Whereas, you, with a, you, yeah. with, they can make a woman's body look ridiculous and be like, ha, we can get this past the censors. I just think that there is... Which a- is inherently wrong, I think. But I mean, not that I think that there should be giant phallic imagery everywhere, but I, I think that that's definitely a double standard. Right. And for absolutely. sure. I used to make the argument that the the male body was. I, I think when you when you're when you're walking around town and you see advertisements for stuff, you always see beautiful people. And there's the argument that the that the man at the Abercrombie and Fitch store is you know it's always a dude that has his shirt unbuttoned and he's got ripped abs and a huge chest, and the girls are always you know the, the standard buxom blonde cuties and that sort of thing. So I I get that, and I get the objectification of both males and females in that vein, but what I see in video games I feel is different. I see women with the tiny waist and the huge boobs, and I see big, powerful men, you know, the the Master Chiefs and the and the um, and the Commander Shepherds. And there I see an empowerment fantasy because so many guys are playing these games that are directed right at them. And then right. the when the female character is the buxom beauty, that's when I start going, All right, I think we got it. I'm not saying that they're doing it in a negative way. It, it might be a subconscious thing, but I think there's a discussion to be had here. Well, it's the target audience. They're yeah. they're they're making games for adolescent males, for straight adolescent males that are interested in seeing attractive women and powerful men that they can put their you know they put themselves in their shoes. That's exactly see, what you said. It's empowering. See, so. see, I don't know that even when I was younger, when I played a game, I mean the, the, these games didn't exist when I was younger, but like I'm more apt to see a character like Joel from The Last of Us because I want to mention that, or like Drake from Uncharted, or like a cool looking character, not. A mega muscle monster. I'm not like I don't want to be Marcus from you don't want Gears to be Kratos. of War. Yeah, I don't want to be Kratos. I don't want to be those murderously strong dudes. I want to be a guy who looks cool, has the half tuck going on, and can like <laughs> jump off buildings and shoot people while he's flying. Well, I mean, I don't want to shoot people, but I, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna like you know collectively pat ourselves in the back by saying this, but you have to consider that we're not the standard audience. Like I think as people that write about games critically. We tend to have a bit more of like an we haven't we have more open minds and we're not the people that sit there and they're like, yeah, I love Kratos. I want to kill everything, man. Like, that's just not that's not the kind of people we are. So it's harder for us to understand that. No, right. that's that's a good point, because growing up, you know, I'd be hanging out with my uncles and they'd be like, oh, check out that chick walking by in the street. Yeah. And I'd be like, that's creepy. Yeah. And I think we, we don't. For, for example, some of my buddies don't want to play video games where they're female. And like I, I'm go Which back is ridiculous. To, well, I go that's back like to, that's like the whole fight that Naughty Dog had to do to cut, get Ellie on the cover of The Last God. of Us. Like, oh my God! And it, like, it makes me so mad. Yeah. Like the the ridiculous big deal, and I'm like, hey, look, people still appear to be buying the crap out of it. Yeah, and you know. I don't know. I, d- I just think that a conversation needs to be had here, and I think what's so disappointing is when people say there's no problem here, and I'm like, well. Yeah, Maybe yeah, there isn't you a problem here, but I think we need to discuss this stuff. Like there are apologists who go, well. You know, I don't really mind a little sexualization. I like to relax and see beautiful women in my games. I'm like, that's not different standards of beauty, I guess. But I'm like, that looks ridiculous. How do you look at that and go, hmm? Yeah. So I don't, I don't know. Dragon's Crown overall, though, I, I'm interested anyway, in it. Yeah, yeah. 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 As, video, as games. Video, video games. Dragon's Crown, if you like beat-em-ups, I think it's actually better than Guardian Heroes. Uh, I love Ooh. Guardian Heroes, but it's it's better. It's, it's more of an RPG. It's gorgeous. And it's, I mean, 
if you like the other Vanillaware games, there's no reason why you're yeah. probably not already buying into this one. I think it'll be a fantastic couch co-op game. I, it's a shame that a lot of us won't be able to experience that because people never want to do couch co-op anymore. But I mean, even online, but it just seems like the kind of game I'd really enjoy, like actually having people in real life where we plan like, all right, let's go to the store and let's pick out like food and let's make a night of this and we'll sit here and yeah, I do you know, miss joke those about days. it. Like, I would love to do that with that game. Well, yeah, like, well, like, cause Derek and Kyle, and I got to play it. And I'm like, I would sit down with Derek and Kyle and Rob and play this. Can you you can still play online, right? Yes, yeah. and okay. we should all probably get it on the same console. Well, I, I you know me, I'm going to be PS3. PS3. But you can play cross platform, can't you? No, you can, you can transfer oh. your save. You cannot play cross platform. Oh, oh, yeah. And I I thought that was lame. Oh, but whatever. I think it's because on the Vita version, there's less on screen at once. But yeah, I, I don't, don't quote me on that. It's still lame. But so I wanted to get it on Vita, but everyone I know is getting it on PS3, and in hindsight, I don't really mind. There, before we sign off though, there was other stuff still. Like, um, there was the console version of Diablo 3, which John said it best. It's Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance now. I played it. Um, is it better? A lot of people are saying uh, maybe this is just the the thing to say online because it's like, hey, 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 screw you, Blizzard. But a lot of people are saying that it is the best version of Diablo 3. Could you figure that? I, I don't think you can figure that out from just a couple minute demo. Oh. What do you think? Well, I played it for a good 15 minutes. I played a lot of it. I screwed with the menus. The menus work great. Uh, I don't know if they have free mode where you can set any skills you want. I couldn't find it in the demo. Uh, I didn't look very hard. But uh, so you were locked into having like, you know, the different skill in each slot. Um Control-wise, the rolling feels awesome. You really can dodge attacks. You with the need that in that game. Uh, yeah, it, for, for the mechanics they have built in, it does work better. Uh, attacking feels cool. Being mapped to a button, certain things don't work as well. Like I couldn't figure out how to target my meteor as the sorcerer, as the uh, the wizard. Like I was shooting my meteor, and it was just kind of coming down, like in front of me. Which you're losing some of that sort of. Uh, precision like when you have your your beam spells like cone of cold or uh or ray of frost and uh destruction beam or whatever you know on a on a, on a mouse you can swing around really fast and i found that in that in the console version if you're shooting your cold your cone of frost or your your beam ray of frost and you turn if you hit the stick to aim the other way your guy slowly rotates while he's blasting it so you have to actually stop firing face the other way mm. on the other hand i was sitting there going if they put these controls into the pc version i'd probably play it uh, I don't know if they will. I kind of hope they do, but I kind of see them being snooty and not doing it. It's it, It'll be interesting to see what they do, because it definitely changes the dynamic of the game, and it will be fun to play on a console, but just like with the PC version, the exact same problem is going to come up 80 hours in when you're like, well, every item is the same and nothing changes after level 60, so I'm bored. Yeah, yeah great game until you hit level 60. And then it's like, yeah. Oh, cool. And then I also played, we played... Uh, the, the 10 2 HD, it's pretty, it's 10, it's in HD. We don't yeah. know if it has the international content yet, but I would be shocked if it they, didn't. I thought they said it did. The, there's been no official confirmation. Some people think they're going to gut it and sell it for DLC. Oh. Dale North on Destructoid said it doesn't have it, but other people have said it does have it. So look at it this way. Kingdom Hearts HD Remix, which I also played, which I don't know if it's because I'm older and have played other Kingdom Hearts games, but oh my god, the camera is horrible. Uh, I told you that, and you never listened to me. It's gorgeous. Well, because they've improved it since then. The problem, well, well, make my point real quick. That version has the final mix version of Kingdom Hearts, so that has the international version. I would be stunned if they didn't do the exact same thing with Ten, because that would require active effort to not 
So, because uh, if you think about it, it's going to come out in the UK. Are they going to release a lesser version than the original version in the UK? No. And they're not going to localize two different versions of it. Right. Uh, and then Kingdom Hearts HD, what they did is they mapped all of the context button, the, the context attacks that used to be on the bottom bar of the command menu to the triangle button like later games. And it works really great for flow. The problem is that in the original game, your camera was locked to the, the trigger buttons, so you could only rotate left and right. You had no uh, y-axis movement of the camera. And that's where a lot of the problems came from. Now they've put it on the, on the analog stick, but you still are locked to the x-axis. So you can move the camera. You can press up on the stick. It won't do anything. Mm-hmm. So it's, it has functionally changed nothing. And again, maybe it's just because I've played later games in the series that improved it a little bit, but... I was in Captain Hook's area, and I was sitting there like, oh, my God, I'm stuck behind this box, and I can't see anything for half of this fight. Uh, but it's gorgeous, and I will still get it for the art book and probably still love it because it also includes you know, the new music and the PS2 remake of Chain of Memories, which was very cool. So, yeah. Cool, cool. Anything else that really struck you guys? Shin Megami Tensei 4 and South Park. We didn't talk about those. I didn't and, see them. Were they good? Uh, uh, well... First, Time and Eternity is there. Derek will let you know what he does. Yeah, it's it's stupid. Uh, okay, I, I'm just I'm just gonna come out and say it. Like, Time and Eternity is one of the worst games I've ever played in my life. I, it's it's absolute. Yeah. It's it's easy. crap. Easy. There. Garbage. Yeah. Oof. Garbage. Oof. Almost. It's uh, South Park: The Stick of Truth. Only John saw it, but he said literally, excuse me, it looks like an episode of the show. He said, if you like Wild Arms. Outside of the battles, it plays like Wild Arms, where you're using character abilities to solve puzzles, which sounds great. He said the combat is super fun. It, it plays like Mario, Mario and Luigi, which is great. So I see, unless that game somehow tanks completely, at the very least, it's going to be fun, especially if you like South Park. Uh, Shin Megami Tensei 4, we all played it. We all liked it. I was a little less impressed because it felt more budgety than the last one. And undoubtedly, it's on 3DS because it has a bigger audience. And also, it just... By no longer having 3D models in cutscenes and by not having 3D monster models, it feels more budget. And I understand, A, it's better in that regard because it saves them a little money and, you know, Atlas isn't doing so great financially. And B, it's not super necessary because the, functionally the game still plays great. It, it's, it's more Nocturne but with new stuff in it. And it looks pr- – but when I see how pretty the dungeons and the character models are – I'm disappointed that every time a cutscene comes up, the screen turns black and it shifts to just static character portraits talking. Like, that feels like a step down from Persona 4 Golden. Yeah. So uh, it, it feels more budgety, which was really disappointing to me. And I didn't play it as much because I was like, well, I know what this is. I'm still going to get it. It's going to be awesome, I'm sure. But I can't help but sit there going, man, I sure wish that they had put this on a console because it would have been like... You know, when we all saw Catherine, we were like, oh, my God, imagine the next Nocturne in this. It's going to look awesome. And it looks very, very pretty, and it sounds awesome, and the art design is still great, and it'll still be a great game. But I can't yeah. help but sit there going, damn, it It would have been really cool to get a big, dramatic, like, super crazy new one, which makes me sit there and go, I really hope that the Persona 5 is either on Vita or on PS3. It won't be, though. It was well, for me. It was just like we played it and we knew it was going to be cool and we enjoyed playing it and we're waiting. I mean, again, like for me, the biggest parts of Shin Megami Tensei are usually like the music and the story. So we couldn't really get a handle on either. The uh, headphones at the demo station were like busted or something. Yeah, because I I couldn't hear anything 
so I was really bummed out that I couldn't hear the music because you know I wanted to hear it in the battle. Uh, but it's it seems like it's going to be great. I just there's not really much that you can gather from a few minutes with that game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, you know, it was kind of like Dark Souls 2, where I saw it, it was what I expected, I know I'm going to enjoy it, but it didn't make me go, what are that? Like, kind of like Mario and Luigi did, where I didn't expect that to be yeah, good. I, I, expect, I expected great things out of Dark Souls, out of Shin Megami, and for me, out of Tales of Vixelia, and all three of them were exactly what I expected. So I wasn't sitting there going, I want to write up and be like, this was the greatest thing ever, because it's exactly what I expected. Mm-hmm. And that's... Not not a bad thing or a knock on it because I'm sure there'll be some of the best games that I played this year. But I saw other things like Blackguards where I went, "Holy crap! I wasn't expecting this. this is awesome." Yeah, sometimes it's it, being surprised is oftentimes better than you got exactly what you wanted. Yeah, you know, and I'm sure those games will have surprises in them. It's just from a, a 10 minute E3 demo, it was what I expected. Yeah. Okay, so I feel like we've talked quite a bit today. Uh, anything else that you guys want to talk about? Or I kind of feel like we're reaching a, a wrap-up point here. I love yeah, everybody from I, RPG I just, fan. Yeah, I've... Uh, Rob, you gotta go awesome. next year. You gotta go next year. Oh, we have the coolest staff. Uh, you guys don't want me there. I'm gonna be so snarky. Actually, this year I was very, like, happy. This I felt like this, a joyous this, year. this is one of the best E3s in so long, and to be there at the show was just awesome. Yeah, like, Game of Sutra did an article the other day where they were, like... We left E3, and everybody was super positive. Like, How often does that happen? <laughs> it, well, in, in this industry, they even said we hate cynicism. This, it, By supposed people who love games, everybody is incredibly cynical now. So when I left E3, even my – I have a friend, Mathieu. He's from France. He's, I used to work with him. He's got very particular tastes, and he doesn't like most games these days. And even he said, I think I need to get – Link to the Past is his favorite game. And he said, I think I need Link Between Worlds. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I saw stuff that looks cool. I'm like, I know, right? I felt like a kid when Mega Man showed up in Smash Brothers. I know I already said uh, it, but I just I have to reiterate that, that I don't give a crap about Smash Brothers. I love Melee. Yep. I love the original game. And it, I had a lot of fun with them. And they're great party games. Didn't play Brawl. I played Brawl one time and hated it. And what? just now I, I just don't like it. But like to see Mega Man, to see like my childhood hero and him just in like full... Yeah, it was awesome. I was smiling, and I I haven't smiled in a long time with an announcement like that. That had that had me. That it warmed my heart grew three sizes. Plus, I thought you were just gonna say I haven't smiled in a long time. (laughs) He's like, I'm getting married soon. I was gonna say he is planning a wedding. I I was happy about that, and I was you know I like Mega Man X better, but getting Mega Man is what I expected. I was I, I didn't expect it then, but I was happy. If they don't have Sonic in it and he's not better than he was last time, I am going to boycott the game on principle. Sonic fanboy. Well, yeah. Did you not hear me say that Lost World is going to make me buy Wii U? I know. All right. So I think we've kind of reached an ending point. E3 was awesome. Really good job with all the developers. Really, It's going to be an exciting year. We get those new consoles. We get to see new games. And, you know, hopefully next year we continue to knock it out of the park. Maybe we'll see 30 seconds of Kingdom Hearts 3 next year. That'd be nice. Maybe. Uh, goodness. So, as always, uh, make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or through the RSS feed. Give us ratings. We're up to 45. And again, as we get more ratings, it'll be easier to find our podcast. Uh, more subscribers, too. Make it talk easier. Talk in the podcast thread. Yep. Talk in the podcast thread. Give us some ideas. we got lots to talk about here in the next couple of weeks. we got Final Fantasy fourteen, Shin Megami Tensei four. Maybe Rob Shadow Hearts Covenant. Maybe Rob will play Shadow Hearts. Who knows? we got lots of stuff to talk about. So 
Thanks again to everybody for Derek and Steven and myself. Thank you very much and look forward to seeing you guys again. Please look forward to it. Yoroshiku onegaishimasu. Hi.